You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. We have an amazing gospel today for a whole lot of reasons. And I think, I think during Lent it's especially worth spending time with the temptations Jesus faced in the desert. You know, the temptation to, to pleasure, to power, and to vainglory. Because I think they give us a lot of insight into our own temptations. Many of the fathers of the church called them, in a sense, the completeness of temptation in many different ways. Today I want to push into the very beginning of the gospel, just the first temptation. Because I think it sheds light on many of our own practices during Lent, the practices of prayer and fasting and, and penance in particular, and, and why we would do them and why, why they matter in the Christian life. What's happening when we do those things. You know, just before today's gospel, Jesus was baptized. And so that's the passage just before what we have today. And then today is, you know, begins with Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit and was led into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. And so there's such an interesting contrast happening here. We have God fully revealed, not fully revealed, most fully revealed uh, of almost anywhere in the scriptures in, in the baptism when the Father speaks and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus. It's kind of him revealing his divinity in such a powerful way. And then just after that, he's driven out into the desert and we see sort of his full humanity on display in the temptations. And, and somehow, in a mysterious way, God himself faces temptation in the desert. And not only does he face it, it's the reason he goes out there. And so for 40 days, Jesus eats nothing. And he's just praying and fasting in solitude. So just to let you know, this sort of seems superhuman not to eat for 40 days, but it's actually possible. So if any of you, I don't know how many of you remember the Mays hunger strikes, uh, the Mays prison hunger strikes in 1981 in uh, Belfast. But men, you know, they were hydrated, so they drank water, but they fasted in a, in a hunger strike, and all of them lasted over 40 days. Most, I think the shortest was 45, and the longest was 61 days. And so it's, it's very possible. Uh, Gandhi did, I think, 21 days with very little water, almost no water at all. And so it, it's physically possible to do these things, especially for someone who's, in a sense, trained to do it. Uh, so it's, it's Jesus in his humanity doing this. Uh, it's kind of incredible. But Luke says, and he probably doesn't need to say, but he says, and when the days were over, he was hungry. One of the greatest understatements in all of Scripture. So why does Jesus put himself through this trial? It seems a sort of unnecessary he faces this incredible suffering, and, and why? That's you know, a good, worthwhile question. I think he's showing us something very specific about what fasting is here. So when Satan comes, what does he say? He says, if you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. I think this is a, there's a profound temptation here. When we, as human beings, come to an impasse, when we... When life kind of presses in all around us, 
and we face some sort of trial or suffering that's too much for us. We know we can't survive it. We look around, and there's no one there and nothing here that can heal us or, or satisfy us. And so, in, in so many ways, our, our imagination becomes desperate. We start reaching for things that, that are artificial, that are fake, but that we hope will satisfy us anyways. A sort of shadow of real sustenance. I think it's most clear in terms of food and drink. So we, that's why I think Jesus uses that example. That's why that temptation is there. Whether, it's, whether we just start eating too much or in an unhealthy way, or whether we reach for alcohol to somehow fill this empty void, or whether it's drug use or some, some abuse uh, of any form of, of food and drink. It's such an easy temptation to fall into. And so when, when life rears its ugly head and, and the, this terrible suffering comes, when we reach for a bottle to try and solve that problem, we're in a sense reaching for a rock and hoping that it's a loaf of bread. Uh, but, it's, but it's a rock. It has no nourishment. Um, but we reach for it anyways. Uh, and that's the temptation that, this, that Jesus is facing here. I had a seminary professor who knew himself very well, and he, he lost his son to suicide, and when he was talking about it, it was a year later, he, he had started chewing tobacco, and we asked him why, as a 55-year-old man, he would suddenly take up chewing tobacco. And he said, when I lost my son, I was suffering so terribly, and and in a sense, I knew, I knew my spiritual life just wasn't strong enough for the Lord to be satisfied by the Lord alone. Because I, I just knew I, knew I didn't know the Lord well enough. Like, so I knew I was going to end up with some sort of addiction. And I thought alcohol would destroy my family and perhaps tobacco wouldn't. So I took up tobacco. And it was this, it's kind of, he, in a sense, he had like admitted this fault in himself, but that but that he's just acknowledging the temptation that we all face uh, in, in these times of terrible trial. Uh, so what does Jesus answer to the devil? He says, one does not live on bread alone. I think he's telling us exactly why he went into the desert. What sustains us in the end isn't some worldly good. It's not food. It's not riches. Because Jesus is the one who could have any of those things this very moment. He's the only one who could actually turn a rock into a loaf of bread. But what he's saying is that neither a rock nor a loaf of bread is going to satisfy. But only the Lord. It's only God himself. And that's, that's where, what he found. And that's what sustained him in those 40 days in the desert. Is the Father. And that's why we spend this time in Lent. These, these 40 days, uh, fasting insofar as we're capable, waiting for the Lord to come. And so, I spent the first week of the day, uh, first few weeks, or first few days of this week, on a long drive down to Denver for a vigil of a, a priest that I really loved. His name was Monsignor Michael Glenn, and he was the rector of the seminary that I went to uh, for the first year that I was there. And we just became good friends after that. 
And, and, and part of it was because he was such a great mentor to me. He was up at 4.30 every single day. He prayed for an hour before we came into the chapel and then prayed for an hour with us uh, when we were there. He's just a diligent man. He spent his whole life reading the scriptures. He knew them in and out and, and lived an extremely simple life. You know, he washed all of his clothes by hand. He rarely ate the great food that we had at the seminary. Uh, he usually chose to fast. He chose not to listen to music on his own uh, because he just wanted to always have that silence in order that he could hear the Lord. And shortly after finishing his tenure at the seminary, which is a miserable place to work, you know, he, he's just stuck doing administration all day long and dealing with us. And, and he just wanted to be in the parish loving his people. And so he finally... After 12 years at the seminary, he got that opportunity. And shortly after getting into the parish, he realized in prayer one morning that he was having sort of little micro blackouts, just a fraction of a second uh, where he'd black out. And, he, and he, he knew himself well, so he knew there's, that was an issue. And he went in to get an MRI and found out, and found out that he had a, a tumor in his brain and it was cancerous. So... For the next three years, just chemo, continuously suffering, uh, having to live in Houston, Texas. And no, nah, I don't mean that as an offense to anyone if, if you're from Houston, Texas. <laughs> but uh, but it, was, it was just a terrible trial for three straight years, and then it eventually took his life. But, I mean, for a man in his 50s to die of brain cancer is a terrible tragedy. But for Father Michael Glenn, I think it was actually the greatest work of his priesthood. Uh, it was, he, he in so many incredible ways taught us as, as the men who he knew how to suffer well because he knew the Lord. And so he had spent his whole life denying himself all of these pleasures uh, in penance and fasting and, he, and, he, and spending that time in prayer. And he knew the word of God was his only real nourishment. Uh, so in doing this, he could face cancer uh, without reaching for some rock and, and expecting it to be bread and expecting it to nourish him. Was he tempted to do that? And did he from time to time? I'm sure he did because he's not Jesus. But in the end, because he knew Christ, he was able to actually offer his physical body as a sacrifice to the Lord uh, and just let cancer tear him apart. Because he knew that that suffering was fruitful, that it meant something. He knew Christ in his life, and so his death showed forth Christ to everyone that he knew. And so Lent for us is this time of preparation. No. We're preparing for Easter. In the end, Easter is what matters. The Lord rose, he conquered death. But for all of us in this life, there's always a cross before there's a resurrection. We're all going to face that cross. Some of you might be facing the sort of cross of your life right now. You know, that great trial, the sort of defining trial in your life. If that's the case, don't reach for a rock expecting it to give you nourishment. It's only the word of God. It's only the Lord himself that will give sustenance, that will give nourishment. And for the rest of us, 
That's why we pray and why we fast and why we do penance is because we're in a sense training our hearts and our minds and even our very bodies for that trial, for that cross. So that we deny ourselves now that when that great trial comes, we, we don't face it as someone who's just kind of struck blind by it, but by, we face it as, as an old and familiar foe. You know, someone that, something that we know, uh, just, I know that temptation, and I know how to conquer it. That's why we fast. And so, when that suffering comes upon us, we don't despair, but we, but we have the weapons necessary to vanquish that enemy. Because the Lord tells us, in the end, this is all that matters. One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amen.